On the resurrection morning When all the dead in Christ shall rise I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal soul In weakness raised in power Ready to live in paradise I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed of God Never there'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain There'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In of his likeness Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord I'll have a new life Eternal Free From every imperfection Youthful and happy I shall be Lost in victory I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life oh, yes. I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never of God There'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain There'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In his likeness Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life When the last trump of God shall sound I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal grace All bursting saints are shouting Heavenly beauty all around I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed of God to stand no more pain, there'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In of his likeness life, Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal Good morning, good evening Wherever you may be Welcome to the Passion for Christ show So glad to have you, friends Hey, I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I just want to let you know I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see in him alone I found peace, joy, happiness, forgiven, I'm blessed beyond measure, more than I could ever deserve. My goal here is very simple, that is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion and life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to be talking about the wise men. Before we get there, a few things along the way. And the first is Headline News. Well, get this. We've been following this story for a while. Three more missionaries from the Ohio-based Christian Aid Ministries have been released in Haiti after a local gang abducted, abducted them in mid-October. That's right, folks. On October 16, 16 Americans and one Canadian were kidnapped by the 400 Mawazo gang 
during a mission trip in Haiti. Last month, two of the missionaries in the group were set free. Christian Aid Ministry said in a statement that we are thankful to God that three more hostages were released last night. Those who were released are safe and seem to be in good spirits. The ministry asked for continued prayers for the remaining 12 missionaries that continue to be held captive. As announced on Friday, we would like to focus the next three days on praying and fasting for the hostages. Please continue to intercede on their behalf. We long for all the hostages to be reunited with their loved ones. Thank you for your prayers and support. Among the kidnapped missionaries are five children, one of which is eight years old. The group has had been traveling to visit an orphanage when the abduction took place. Wilson Joseph, the gang's leader, threatened to kill them if they didn't receive his ransom request of $17 million or $1 million per hostage. There you go, folks. There you go. Three more kidnapped missionaries are released in Haiti. Folks, we take it for granted here in America, don't we? of how free we really are in worshiping our Lord and our Savior in a free society. Mm, now what a blessing that is, folks. What a blessing that is. Well, now get this. Get this. Four years after booting a Christian organization off campus because it refused to change its beliefs, the University of Iowa will pay nearly $2 million to settle a pair of religious discrimination lawsuits. Can you believe that, folks? Can you believe it? The Iowa State Appeal Board agreed Monday to pay a combined $2 million for attorney fees and damages in a pair of cases involving two Christian groups. At issue was a university requirement that groups affirm a human rights policy banning discrimination on the basis of religion, sexual orientation, and gender identity, among other classes. The controversy began when a gay student said he was refused a position within business leaders in Christ because he would not affirm its belief statement, which affirms the traditional biblical view of marriage and sexuality. The university then deregistered business leaders in Christ after refused to change its beliefs, as it later did another Christian organization. And uh, the university, though, lost multiple rounds in court, including this year when the U.S. Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals sided with the two groups in the lawsuits, alleged religious discrimination. Administrators, administrators at the University of Iowa discriminated against religious student groups. Judge Jonathan A. Cobes wrote in a separate opinion, the law is clear state organizations may not target religious groups for differential treatment or withhold and otherwise available benefits solely because they are religious. 
this is what happened here. The individual's parents may pick their poison. They are either, either plainly incompetent or they knowingly violated the Constitution. There you go, folks. There you go. University of Iowa to pay $1.9 million for discriminating against two Christian groups. Sometimes, folks, you got to stand up for your rights. And this is what these groups did in this case. My, oh, my, folks. My, oh, my, indeed. And that's our headline news for this broadcast. <music> Now, folks, we're going to take a little bit of a minute here for a thankfulness moment of reflection here. And our passage for that thankfulness segment is found in Isaiah chapter 9, folks. Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen, folks. What a powerful passage concerning our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Christ, the one who fulfilled this wonderful prophecy thousands of years earlier. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Amen, folks. Amen. And glory. Hallelujah. And now, folks. We have this day in church history. Deposed in 1666 A.D. Nikon was a reform-minded Russian monk who because of his energy and ability in public speaking brought attention to himself and won the friendship of the Tsar Alexei I. Despite Nikon's objections, he was chosen Patriarch of Moscow, the highest position in the Russian church. After being raised to leadership, Nikon proved to be an autocrat, persecuting those who disagreed with him, especially about the reforms he made to the church's service books. These followed Greek patterns and led to a split in the Russian church when many priests rejected to the innovations. Later, the Tsar Alexei and Nikon disagreed over various issues. Nikon left his post in 1658 in an attempt to force the Tsar to back down. Finally, on this day, in 1666, the Council of Moscow deposed Nikon. Their decision said in part, 
Whereas we have now learned that Nakan lived tyrannically and not meekly as befits a prelate, and that he was given to iniquity, rapacity, and tyranny, we debar him in accordance with the divine and sacred canons of the evangelizing apostles and of the ecumenical and local orthodox councils from every sacerdotal function, so that henceforth he shall have no power to perform any episcopal act, and we truly entirely depose him from wearing certain insignia, and we decree with the entire local church council that henceforth he be known as a common monk called Nikon, and not as patriarch of Moscow, he will be assigned a place to dwell to the very end of his days, and may it be some old and suitable monastery where he can lament his sins in great silence. And that's this day in church history. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun. And name that Bible character. Here is your clue. Jesus said to me, Thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Who am I? Here is your clue one more time. Jesus said to me, Thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Who am I? We'll reveal the final answer to that tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned for that exciting reveal and our final segment of Name That Bible Character. And now, folks, we have our study time, so get your cup of coffee. I have mine right here. And get your Bibles, pull up a chair, and let's open up God's fantastic and powerful Word. As I said in the beginning of our broadcast, we're going to be talking about the wise men, so turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to start reading in verse 1 and go through 1 through 12. It's rather long reading, so let's start right now, folks. The wise men from the east. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Verse 7, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you had found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. What fantastic events surrounding the birth of the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. So what did we learn from this reading, friend, about the Magi, as some say, or the wise men from the east? Well, we know that the Magi were wise men from the east. Most likely, a lot of commentary, and most likely they were from Persia or modern-day Iran. This means that these wise men traveled 800 to 900 miles just to see the Christ, the child. You remember the one that we, the uh, passage that we read out of Isaiah chapter 9 child who would come this is the one that they came to see most likely the Magi knew of the writings of the prophet Daniel who in time past had been the chief of the wise men in Persia if you remember in Daniel chapter 9 24 and 27 Daniel 9 24 and 27 that includes a prophecy which gives a timeline for the birth of the Messiah also, these men from the east may have been aware of the prophecy of Balaam, who was from the town of Pethor on the Euphrates River near Persia. In uh, Numbers 24, we'll just go ahead and read that prophecy. Uh, verse 17, Numbers 24, 17, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. Balaam's prophecy specifically mentions a star coming out of Jacob. And here we find these wise men, uh, uh, the guided to look for the king of the Jews, as they described by a miraculous stellar event, the star of Bethlehem, which they called his star back in Matthew 2 and verse 2. Where is he, they ask, who have been born in the king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. They came to Jerusalem asking concerning the birth of the child, the Christ, they were directed to Bethlehem. They followed God's guidance joyfully. You remember back in verse 10, 
It says very simply that they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And so they were filled with joy. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, they gave costly gifts to Jesus and worshipped him. And I think about those costly gifts at that time. Uh, I was reading some commentary who say by our standards of today, uh, these gifts valued somewhere between four to ten million dollars. And I was thinking about this, how much of the gold or how much of the frankincense or myrrh were given to the family of Jesus, we just aren't told at all. We really don't know how many of the wise men came to see the child. One thing is for certain, they could not resist a pull of the redemptive drama unfolding before their very lives. And they were moved into action. And so they gave costly gifts to Jesus and worshipped him. We know that God warned them in a dream against returning to Herod. So in defiance to the king, they left Judea by another route. So I, I want you to think about these wise men. Number one, they read, they believed God's word. Number two, they sought Jesus going over long distances. If you remember, it would have been around 800, 900 miles. And in those days, they didn't have vehicles, they didn't have planes. So you take, you got to consider this was a long, long, long journey. They sought Jesus. They recognized the value and worth of Jesus Christ. And they humbled themselves to worship Jesus and obeyed God rather than man. You remember back in our reading, the king, Herod, wanted them to come back and tell him where uh, the child was located. But yet God had other plans, and so they obeyed God rather than men. Truly, in these simple uh, characteristics that we just described, these men were truly wise men. And so this picture painted for us is a very simple, beautiful, yet profound story filled with life's journey of devotion, love, sacrifice, joy, and fellowship. And are these not the qualities that should inspire us all, should inspire all families? Friend, I, I was around five years old when my mom and dad separated. We lived in the beautiful southern coastal plains of Rinkin, Georgia. Tall Georgia pines and massive oak trees decorated with moss dressed our neighborhoods. But I, re I remembered how difficult dad struggled financially, mentally. I, I was a very difficult child to raise always acting out, but we hung in there. He, my dad, never quit being both a father and a Christian. Most important, with all my faults, with all his faults, we were still family. He still loved me through and through. And during the time of year in which Christmas came, the holidays came, 
Our Christmas tree would seem puny and lacking to some people. I even had to borrow decorations sometimes. But for me, what we had was just right. Christmas lights reminded me of the love that we shared was sure, safe, and secure. The shiny Christmas balls reflected our faces, reminding me of what we meant to one another. The silver and gold tinsels reminded me of the value of our home. The packages under the tree were just a bonus. There may not have been a lot of them, but that was just a bonus. The re- bonus. The, the, the real treasure was what we found in each other. This was truly a welcome gift for a troubled boy. The story of the wise men focuses on something greater, an even better gift. To the Messiah, to the one who would bring peace on earth, to the King of kings and Lord of lords, to the Savior, to the great I Am, to Christ, the Lamb of God, the Rock, our friend, the author of our salvation, the Apostle Paul would claim, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. Friend, no matter what you do this time of year or any time, honor and worship Jesus with your life. Experience and celebrate the remarkable gift of His grace with your family each and every season that we have opportunity. And that, friend, is our study for this broadcast. And now, folks, we have the conclusion to name that Bible character. Hi, friend. Here was your clue. Here was your clue. Jesus said to me, Thou canst not follow me now. Thou shalt follow me afterwards. Who am I? Well, it was Simon Peter. That's right. John eleven thirty six. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither thou goest? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Jesus said to me, Thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Who am I? Simon Peter. In name that. Bible character. Well, friend, you too can become a follower of Jesus Christ. And through repentance and baptism, submitting your life to Him, you'll receive a blessing beyond imagination. You'll receive a peace that passes all understanding. My goal here was very simple that was to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I just want to tell you this. What a privilege and an honor it's been for me to have you walking along my side during this show. May God bless you.
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Ah. Uh-huh. 